Ladies and gentlemen, and it can only be ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first episode of Mad Love, a Harley Quinn cast. You're joined by the staff, the crew, the, well, the voices you know so well from the DC Comics News podcast. However, this is not our traditional podcast. We have to give this disclaimer at the beginning. This is an adult conversation about an adult-themed show. So as it was so wisely put just a moment ago, if you're not old enough to watch Harley Quinn on DC Universe, you're not old enough to listen to this episode. If you find yourself offended by vulgarity, raunchy topics, anything that might make you blush, this is the time to turn off, turn away, skip to another episode, catch one of our previous or upcoming episodes of the DC Comics News podcast team, The Spinner Rack, Steve J. Ray's I Am The Knight. But this is not the podcast for you. Now, if Harley Quinn makes you laugh out loud, quote her 10 times to your significant other, catch yourself whispering jokes to strangers in the grocery store, you are in the right place. Because DC Universe has found a way to tap into the mad, wonderful love of Harley Quinn that is formed in my heart throughout uh, watching season one. And it's why I'm here with everyone to talk to you about this amazing series. We're starting off with episode one, but first, let's go around the table and say hello to everyone you probably remember. They just might sound a little bit different as we get into this podcast. First off, I'm going to say hello to my good friend, Mr. Brad, because I'm going alphabetically. Brad, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm pretty good. Wonderful. And Kelly. (laughs) Doing well. (laughs) Wonderful. And then we've got Steve. Is Steve there? I was hiding. (laughs) (laughs) And they're looking from the shadows. We have Steve. And it brings us right to our first episode. Uh, Till death do us part. Guys, thanks for joining me on this thing that suddenly just came out of a great conversation we were having on the last podcast episode. And here we are talking about Harley Quinn. We're talking about episode one. And... When it comes to episode one, the first thing that comes to mind is just how over the top this show was. And um, I, I don't know how many times I counted the word fuck or fucking, but I'm pretty sure at some point we need to go through each episode and maybe get a count. But there were moments between all of the swearing that stuck with all of us. Brad, I'm going to turn to you if you don't mind. Keep the alphabetical thing and roll it along. What? What stuck out with you is like a a big moment, uh, a signature moment, the one you always think of when it comes to this first episode of Harley. I mean, I I don't think there is one particular moment. I I just think the amount of violence in (laughs) the first episode was the thing that kind of like smacked me upside the head, even more than the humor just in that first episode. Uh, You know, and I think I've talked about this on the main show. Uh, We we got to see it at. Um, uh, New York Comic Con last year and I remember watching it and it was kind of, kind of put off by the violence and usually I'm not but uh, man it, it, it turned around as, <laughs> as the series progressed but I, I just think that the violence especially on on the boat in the first 
few minutes it was kind of like whoa this is this is where you know you're you're in for something different it's like strap yourself in because this is going to be a wild ride absolutely <laughs> yeah in fact i think in that first scene we saw the first of many attacks to knee and leg joints which yeah. i think is something that i found to be a signature of this show it's like if you have a kneecap and you're standing too close to somebody likely breaking it they're they're gonna break it they're just gonna tear the shit <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then it gets a little awkward. <laughs> Kelly, how about you? Was there one moment? Was there a whole thing? Uh, what sticks out when you first hear, oh, man, episode one, till death do us part, Harley Quinn, chaos? <laughs> I think, um, I mean, I do have to agree with Brad. The first time I saw the first episode, I was like, wow, this is this is different. This is a lot. But um. There's and also there's something bizarrely cathartic about hearing the Joker say fuck because you have to assume he would say it. Yeah. Like, right. It's the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> so there's just something so natural about it that it's like, wow, that's that's probably what he's actually been saying all along. <laughs> um, but I mean, as far as actual moments go, um, and th- this is such a small moment, but when. They're waiting for visitors in Arkham Asylum and Calendar Man's wife is upset with him because he can remember exactly how long Harley Quinn's been locked up, but can't remember his son's birthday. And his son's just like, Dad, I got you this cactus. And, and then the guards beat up the cactus and are like, no wonder your dad forgot your birthday. That just to me, like, that's the best moment in this episode, I think. Oh, yeah, when they cook the cactus with a flamethrower and the guy screams, no plants within 50 yards of poison ivy. Ah!" (laughs) (laughs) The poor kid, my God. (laughs) Yeah, like, you know, trauma heaped upon trauma. Steve, how about you, my friend? Is there a a moment that that sticks out for you when it comes to this show? Or is there an overall sort of like, well, like Brad said, just violence seemed to take it all off. The whole thing was just so out of left field. Obviously, you know that I'm reviewing Batman, the animated series, which is like a class, la creme de la creme of animated shows. And then along comes this juggernaut of sweary powerhouse violence and craziness to completely contrast against that show. But yet they both work so well together. I mean, I've got to say, Diedrich Bader's Batman is terrific. Alan Tudyk is a geek god, and I love him. And the fact that he was Joker and he played Calendar Man in this episode, and poor little Calendar Man Jr. I mean, listen, he's just trying to give his dad a cactus. Stop being pricks, you guards. Sorry, I can't believe I went there. Um, but this whole show, like I said, the, the violence as well, the bone-crunching, snapping, tendon-ripping ear hole biting <laughs> crazy violence and hey we haven't even got to the bit where she gets the joker's um bombs and starts flinging those at the henchmen so oh it's so coming. much it's, it's crazy <laughs> what about you seth what, what, what are your your main takeaways from this okay, um so ins- insanitarium that totally sticks with me is that opening scene because right away first off um I'm I'm a sucker for the fact that my wife and I she she got me into watching the Friends TV show with her on a regular basis and we'd watch it syndicated and then uh, Big Bang Theory would come on afterwards and for a while she would poo poo that show about oh I'm not dealing with this that's whatever and then she started watching an episode or two and wanted me to watch it with her and now we've seen 
every fucking one. And hearing Kaylee Cuoco, who's yes. this very perky, friendly, a little bit of an ass kicker, you know, country girl kind of vibe from from her character there. And hearing her just be like, you know, I mean, fuck, fuckity, fuck, 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 you know, all <laughs> over the place. And you're like, Jesus Christ. Like, okay, so I, I know who she is. And yeah, I also know who Alan Tudyk, like my, you know, my brain just sort of twists for a second hearing them just embrace these characters. But also being that part of the characters that in almost every animated show, you felt like someone wanted to let loose a couple swear words, but it was a kid's. It was a cartoon show. And now they finally get to. And that first opening scene where he he bursts on, he sort of steals her thunder. And then when he rips off the captain's skin, which is covering his head, and then starts using it as a puppeteer thing and like making jokes. Yeah, and so yeah that was that was one of those moments where I was like, well, this is new. Different. It also did that amazing thing where right from the beginning you knew what the show was about. Harley wants to be her own woman, and Joker's like, you'll never get out of my shadow. And like the little touches, whether Batman shows up and he's just being a shit, or when he hops into the submarine and plays a cucaracha horn as he do 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 like was there yeah. a was there yeah. some mechanic somewhere who the Joker was like holding a gun to saying that this this horn needs to sound like this? Meaningful <laughs> and artistic because he scurried away like a cockroach and that's what it was about. Exactly. Now I am gonna let you in on something right now. When I was growing up, I had a friend, um, still have a friend. He's my oldest friend, known since the third grade. And when he got to the driving age, he bought a Volkswagen Bug that had stickers from Walt Disney, like Herbie the Love Bug. I love this and, man. Right, right. You're going to love it. He actually, he is the uh, San Antonio Batman. He dresses up as Batman for kids events and stuff like that. So, of course, you're going to love him, Steve. Like, I get it. I'll, I'll connect you guys. Don't worry. I'm going to. I'll put the <laughs> I like Yeah. And, and he had, when he first bought the car, it came with a musical horn inside the glove box. It was just this little, like, keypad with a... Uh, codes and for each code you punched in the musical horn would play a different one it had uh darth vader's entrance theme song dun, 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 dun. you know what i mean it had la cucaracha it had all these different things on there so it's possible you can get that horn i'm not saying you want it but i i do know <laughs> it's out there because my friend had it and we I would play exactly right <laughs> Um, and then, man, the other thing that really stuck with me was the great exchange between Batman, Harley, and uh, Gordon on the rooftop. <laughs> she starts, you know, saying, like, you know, come on, just because he fucks bats? He's like, he does not fuck bats! Don't say that about him! And I fucking died from that moment on because you saw how unhinged, you know, Gordon was playing with the bat signal later. Like, you know, that those two scenes really set up so much about my expectations for the rest of this, this series, so... <laughs> And if you've seen the so, latest, you've seen that Jim Gordon's downward spiral continues. That's, that's, that's oh, all yeah. I will say. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Gordon. So listen, if any of those bats start crapping all over his bat computer, they are going to get fucked. So let's be honest right now. <laughs> Maybe he does, but not in the way she's thinking. Right, right. <laughs> I love how well Batman takes it. Like, he's, he's so professional, which I've never thought I'd be able to say Absolutely. about a vigilante. <laughs> But he's he's like he just glosses over it the first time. Then the second time she says it, he's like, okay, 
<laughs> like, I, I've heard okay. the, the, the spirit of this man. exchange. <laughs> oh God, I uh, yeah. I love this. That <laughs> special element of any comic book you'll ever read is the fact that no one swears, but yet still everyone is completely blown away <laughs> by the level of swearing in this show. But to me, it's it's just like walking down the street and hearing the people on the bus every morning to be quite honest it's probably the most realistic thing about the whole show yeah yeah except this time you you don't leave them on the bus you instead follow them around (laughs) you know it's like if you saw someone on the bus was just like ah fuck everybody i'm good and then you saw them get off the bus and you were like I'm going to go spend my day watching this person live their life. That's the... <laughs> with me, then, sir. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I can't tell you how many times reading emails at work, I say, what the fuck, under myself, to, like, uh, under my breath to myself, because it's just, I mean, it's, I, I hate, my parents would hate me for saying this, but sometimes saying fuck is just the natural state of things. It's the most <laughs> honest thing you can say. And there's something yeah. that's that makes it so cathartic in, in in the show because yeah i mean I, I do think that you would think that superheroes and supervillains would say fuck a lot <laughs> like you were saying so yeah particularly and, joker and finally getting to hear them say it it, it is it's kind of like like you were saying almost the most realistic thing about the show <laughs> i'm waiting it for really batman is. to say it <laughs> i can't wait the day that happens honestly i will probably dance a little jig yeah <laughs> And the only question is, how is he going to do it? Like, is it going to be like, fuck or <laughs> like, you know, you, you want it to be one of them and you know, it's going to be masterful no matter what. <laughs> you know, It can be so artistically used. Like my friends and I used to talk all the time about uh, in that BoJack Horseman show, they say fuck once a season and it's always at the worst moment in the season. Like one, mm. one character a season is allowed to bust it out. So, you know, you're seeing the rock bottom moment when someone says fuck and in this show, it's the exact opposite. It's just, it, they say it like we would say it. <laughs> it, it it's like get, um, Doom Patrol and every other phrase from, from Robot Man, and it's just so beautiful. I love it so <laughs> <laughs> So um, I, I'm curious because I thought I'd have some fun with this. Instead of going back and re-watching it, um, I knew there was a moment where someone calls Harley a porn clown. Can anyone tell me who that character is? Me, Calendar me. Man's wife. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Well, I'm playing by Jeopardy rules here. I'm just like buzzering it. Buzzing that it. was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Perfect. I, I actually I, I could cheat because I rewatched the episode yesterday. Oh. <laughs> I watched. I woke up thinking Harley Quinn. I put it on this morning. It's been. Pl- it's playing in the background right now. <laughs> nice. I've been on okay. a kick. All right, all right. <laughs> That's some mad love right there. So, uh, and then I was just curious if, if anyone, you know, caught on to the, uh, the part about how they escape from Arkham. Because part of the story that, that kills me is how they, they really stretched out that idea of Harley's like, yeah, don't worry. I won't spend one, more than one night. Okay, maybe the morning because he said he was busy. But basically, you know, he's going to come get me. So it's six months later, we have the exchange with Calendar Man, and then it's three months after that and three months after that, right? A year to the day when the uh, final breakout happens. <laughs> yep. And uh, does anyone remember how it was Ivy was able to get control of a plant? 
Oh God, that was so. I'm going to quote it right the now. and orange. <laughs> And he yep. took a crap on the seats. <laughs> oh, yeah, he did. In fact, I love that he says, oh, I ate an orange and I shit out a seat. <laughs> He's got this, like, glee on his face. Where you're it's like, like a passing comment. Amazing. <laughs> uh, that, was, that was quite glorious. Um, but, As you know, everybody does. <laughs> I don't know. Seems Bill. pretty small though. Like, what was he doing that he noticed that he did? Like, was was it on purpose? Was this planned? I want to know more about the, the behind the scenes. I want to see the orange is the new black of Arkham Asylum, basically. Ooh, very <laughs> good. I like that. Uh-huh. What's that, I, that creators <laughs> thing at DC now? You got to pitch that show, Kelly. You got to pitch that show right yeah. now. Oh, yeah. I would. I will. <laughs> <laughs> Because that yeah, title's yeah. taken. It'll have to be Orange is the New Crap, really, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. That fits perfectly. Oh, my God. I'm just planting seeds in your imagination. <laughs> oh, are you now? <laughs> it needs to take root and then grow and branch out in different directions. And, oh, my God, shut me up quickly. <laughs> so the fun thing about breaking out is it's – you know, a chance to get away from a fun setting. And by the way, uh, Kelly, just one thing. Remember, guys in prison or a state asylum, they have a lot of free time on their hands. I'm just saying. That's fair. A lot of free time. <laughs> I, I don't know what Riddler was doing with his free time, but clearly he paid attention to his body um, and was aware <laughs> of things going on with it. Uh, <laughs> but the breakout also means two things. One, she gets to confront Joker eventually. But two, we also get to meet some other great characters. Like, <clears throat> well, we see where Ivy lives and we meet a character named Frank. Anyone <laughs> want to chime in about Frank off the top of their head? What, first little, impression? Shop, little shop of horrors. <laughs> <laughs> Not your most friendly neighborhood plant, is he, our Frank? Well, not after what he did to the neighborhood kid and parents <laughs> were supposed to water the plants. <laughs> the first time I saw that, I remember thinking like, oh, wow, he just killed a kid. And then immediately going, oh, no, that was cool. He killed the parents, too. And then <laughs> it, it, this That's is the cool. problem of watching a village show. Because <laughs> you, you start to think from their perspective. And it's like, oh, no, 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 he got it. He checked all his boxes. <laughs> Never mind the fact that he killed a family for no reason. <laughs> Yeah, it's no longer. Is there something wrong with me? Sorry, Seth. You're fine. (laughs) (laughs) Just in general, or? (laughs) No, it's just that I kept thinking whenever Frank spoke that how agonizing it must be if he ever bit his tongue. Sorry, I just don't know with the way my mind works. (laughs) Actually, that is a huge mouth. That is a lot of teeth. I mean, would you assume it grows back, though, if it just kind of chops off? You have to, I I mean, plants, I've never kept a plant alive in my life, but they regenerate, right? I read a lot of swamp things, so yes, I'm with you. (laughs) (laughs) I was going with it. (laughs) (laughs) So, beyond hanging out at ivy's place and learning that somewhere is a good tv which i'm looking forward to hearing more about because clearly harley didn't like the other tv when she smashed it up um we also get a chance to learn that they've you know got some shared affinities uh perhaps a television host who's very well known for being extremely friendly and generous and 
thoughtful and I mean we're talking about Howie Mandel and and Howie has a really great cameo that doesn't exactly turn out that well does it if I remember correctly uh he's turning turkey leftovers into a nativity scene and the problem is Harley basically tried to break up with Joker, which didn't go over well. And Joker has to change the story by showing up on the Howie Mandel show and, well, planting a bomb in him. And then also, of course, you know, saying, hey, you're going to have to, you know, tell everybody the truth, which is that Joker dumped Harley. I thought that was kind of a fun little twist because for all the swearing and all the sort of absurdity, this also comes down to the fact that like almost any relationship, you know, when it comes to a breakup, each side kind of wants to come out on top, right? You know what I, I think I keep going back to with this show is it's so interesting to see the Joker as almost like a, a, a jealous frat boy, kind of. Like, he's just so, he wants everyone to respect him and even a little bit, like, he freaks out when the Riddler is called funny. He freaks out when people think Harley Quinn dumped him. Like he, he seems like one of those people who just has those like black screen Instagram statuses when they're upset at a specific person, sort of like it just, he's, he's turned into a frat guy. And that's, that's one thing I love about the show is that it's interesting takes on characters that we haven't seen before. And that kind of, Pettiness is not seen much in the Joker in the sense that he's mostly seen as a competent character. And this is kind of a definitely an insecure, weaker Joker than we're normally used to seeing. And, you know, and the same thing with characters like Bane and some of these characters interpretations (laughs) are some of the best in the entire history of the characters, especially with Kite Man. Um, But yeah, I mean, you're right. And that's one thing I love about the show. (laughs) <laughs> I can't wait to see Gordon get his groove back because that poor man. I Gordon's honestly, another one. <laughs> the, the, You've the, got a long wait. Like right, like he he's just he's been a mess since day one. And there's a little part of me that's like, how cold is the coffee he's been carrying around in every episode? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I he doesn't look to me like a man who has brewed fresh coffee recently, and he has that mug oh. in every scene. And I, I don't even think there's coffee in there, to be honest. <laughs> Are you thinking <laughs> it's liquor or it's just empty? Like, how crazy has he gone? Well, mm-hmm. your mind could take that in any direction, really. And that's <laughs> what I love about it. <laughs> One's sadder than the other somehow. <laughs> exactly. But it's I love what what you said, Brad, that they're brand new aspects of these characters, but yet they all fit. That's the bit I love. The fact yeah, that yeah. they all still really work. Yeah. It's like a, it's like this twisted puzzle that we never knew we wanted. And here we have it. And they just, they just click together the supporting cast, the the villains they fight. It's just, it's, it's perfect. <laughs> It feels like almost like we're uh, finally getting to see them when they're not being their public persona. You know what I mean? Like every time you close a comic book that, you know, Joker, you know, it's like, oh, thank fucking God. I don't have to bite my tongue over this fucking shit. Like, and, you know, because when he's on camera, he was being, you know, sinister. But, you know, there wasn't a huge amount of swearing. There was like a difference between who he is when he's talking with his goons or when he's talking with Harley. But then, you know, when he's threatening Howie, it was sort of like a, 
Hello, everyone. I'm the suave, debonair, wildly crazy joker about to do my manic thing. But there wasn't that, like, you know, over-the-top sort of vulgarity. And it almost feels like when we do get to see them talking, they're like, no one's around with the cameras, right? Okay, God, now I can, you know, be my yeah. real self. <laughs> <laughs> the behind-the-scenes joker. Right, which gives it this uh, really funny sort of like reality tv almost feel to it you know that you're stepping behind the curtain or behind the camera sort of thing um which i'm curious to see how much more of that we get to like uncover as we go into each episode um but when we move the plot along essentially you know harley can't just hang out with ivy especially because they're really devastated when they find out what happens to poor howie after you know Joker got a hold of him. But also there's an opportunity for Harley to sort of step up, right? To take on a big deal when there's a little bit of a feud going on between Riddler and Joker, which Kelly, I think you pointed out was really kind of neat. You know, Joker gets upset about the idea of Riddler saying, you know, he's <laughs> he's the best at what he does. And Joker's like, no way, man, I'm I'm the best. <laughs> Starts losing it. And because of that, we get this really cool little plot development where we get to travel along. Does anyone want to pick up, you know, what their take was on on how Harley, you know, sort of tries to establish herself as a, you know, a villain in her own right. And yet it's not exactly the way she had it planned. I think, am I crazy or did they, the whole acid drop thing or the picking between the person on this side of the... Didn't that happen in one of the Batman movies? Was that, Batman the, was that the one with... which uh, Batman Forever. There we go. Okay, I, I think I haven't seen that since I was probably eight or nine years old now. Because it's watching this episode. I was like, wow, I, I know this is something the Riddler does. I just don't know why I know it. And now it's coming back to me. But yeah, I... Wow. The Joker is just kind of... He's weak in a weird way in this show, but I like it. I like that that weakness. And honestly, it's Ivy that ends up looking the strongest by oh, I far. Love that so much. Her deadpan humor, my God. Oh, yeah, oh, so good. To me, she's the lifeblood <laughs> of the show. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> her reactions to Harley are just the absolute best. It's almost like Ivy's our window in yes. to the world. Like we're supposed to be feeling what she's feeling <laughs> well there was a couple of occasions when she actually says what the fuck and i'm thinking the exact same thing at the exact same time <laughs> yeah. like, what? harley for really for real what the what seriously huh <laughs> but i mean <laughs> the thing that stood out for me is that whole joker um riddler feud it, it, it harkens back to uh the war of jokes and riddles but in a far funnier way and the whole Listen, we've just had a movie called Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Um, I love that movie, but doesn't this episode do that one step better? Yes. <laughs> it really yeah. does. I mean, that's the the hardest thing about some of these great animated products sometimes, right? That you're like, oh, man, why doesn't live action do this sometimes? Like, come on, guys. <laughs> oh, this would be so gross live action. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah and that's 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 that was actually one of my takeaways from this first episode too is like well they could never do this live action obviously i mean it's like <laughs> no. it's they know no they because what way. they can get away with and there's just there's just no rules i was just I really know. surprised when i saw who 
who wrote the episode that it actually wasn't written by Limp Biscuit because um, <laughs> two, two more fucked up in this fucked up song and there'll be eight million fucks in this fucked up program. I mean, it's just unbelievable. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. I, I didn't even consider, you know, oh, Limp Biscuit takes me. Back. I have to go and listen to Hot Dog again now because, um, wow. <laughs> That's I genuinely and because you you mentioned like the henchmen and what do you have to be paid to be a Joker henchman? Whoever wants to do that, he just shoot every other oh, scene please. is him shooting a henchman. I mean, what benefits does he offer? Their throat? <laughs> right. <laughs> While stating, I'm an agent of chaos. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like they come back to henchmen a lot in the show, which I kind of love. It reminds me of the Venture Brothers and just the whole idea of, like, what is the actual job hierarchy in being a villain? And what does it mean to be a henchman? But I think right as far as episode one goes, I rank being a CO at Arkham Asylum or being a henchman for the Joker at equally about as why in the world would you do that job? Yeah. <laughs> But did you notice how many henchmen are actually already scarred? And there's a couple who've got like a glassy eye where you can tell Joker's already stabbed them in the eye with something and they just <laughs> managed to survive it. But yet they're still there. Uh, again, to paraphrase Poison Ivy, what the actual fuck? Um, <laughs> yeah, the only thing I had was lobotomy scars. Each time I see those cuts on their heads, I'm like, he gave them lobotomy. That's there you go. the only fucking reason they could be there. Oh, <laughs> you know, I hadn't you know, thought of that. See, I'm just thinking like he's offering a crazy salary. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, you know, we've all taken our psych 101 or intro to psych courses, maybe. Have we? Psychology. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> um, and I remember my teacher made a whole point of going over it. Uh, you know, the professor's talking about like early lobotomies. And he's like, yeah, well, they just crack the skull and they go in there and just sort of dent the frontal lobe enough until you were less of a problem <laughs> that's really all it looks like joker did like he just kind of was like all right <laughs> you still paying oh, don't, 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 <laughs> don't worry this will only hurt a little bit <laughs> a lot but uh going going back to to you know with the whole standout first um I love the uh sort of like over the top feature of where harley goes this giant sphinx looking figure thing that's all lit up in the middle of the night she's like how is it no one ever finds these layers <laughs> which was such a lovely like first little zing like yeah why is it whenever they show them in the comics it's like this huge mantras thing and everybody's like i didn't know that was there where did that come from how long has that been there brilliant so but also it has to be like a a, a, a I don't know. There has to be a real estate agency specifically for lairs, which yeah. we, I guess we see later in the show, but there's no way. I'm really glad you hinted at that. That's going to be really fun to talk about later because, yeah, you know, there, there has to be a market. Really that... <laughs> <laughs> and I love when she goes inside and, you know, the trap gets sprung. And the, the suggestion is made that, you know, you're you're falling into something that, Riddler one is trying to give the riddle to, and both Batman and Harley figure it out before he's finished. And they're like, Oh, it's acid. And he's like, Shut up, I'm not done. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then I love that moment. This has got to be one of my favorite quotes. Just it, it stuck out with me so much. 
is when he's like, yes, it's acid. And Harley goes, ooh, is it the good kind of acid that gives you superpowers? And (laughs) (laughs) my brain just had to chuckle for a minute, you know, because I went back to there was a family guy where they all get superpowers. And then Adam West, who plays the mayor, is like, don't worry, I'll get superpowers too. So he rolls around in nuclear waste and they're like, you have cancer, you're dying. (laughs) Wait a minute, I thought this worked. (laughs) Oh, God. Harley clearly reads too many comic books. (laughs) <laughs> clearly See, there was but, a little part of myself though that was asking like is is that was that a drug reference or does she mean like actual comic book acid which i think is, is that's the whole point but like in my head whatever I'm just, like, wait so <laughs> what, whatever it is whatever is superpower acid to you <laughs> okay so i finally caught up and saw birds of prey and there's a scene in that in which has everyone seen it yes yep. okay i didn't want to do it yes. for all of us um, but there's a moment where she crouches behind a pile of white bricks. And when they get punctured and she takes a huge whiff of cocaine and <laughs> spins around and starts like, Wah! one, I had an American dad moment because they did that with Roger as a playoff of, you know, the old Scarface reference. But two, now, of course, Kelly, you've just put in my head the possibility that we might have to see Harley go on acid at some point just because. I I'm mean, just, you, I'm you, thinking you about like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, there, there's no way it's not. And I, like, I'm thinking back to, uh, you know, when, when comics kind of were trying to take on the, you know, the war on drugs. And isn't there, I, I think it's Green Lantern, or if not, I'm being crazy and it's Spider-Man, but isn't there not a comic where some kid is trying to jump off a roof because he's done drugs and he thinks he can fly? So I kind of there's a part of me that's like that's that's what she means by gives you superpowers not literally gives you superpowers but you'll think you have them. I like your thinking. I think it could be both <laughs> because that's just the kind of gal she is. <laughs> it's either. And yeah, actually, I can remember a 70s issue flash where there's a character who's strung out on drugs and about to do something dangerous and they have to be rescued. And it's kind of like one of those I can fly sort of moments. I think I think actually that became like a really popular reference. If somebody was, you know, if you wanted to show that somebody was like really strung out on PCP or a really hard drug, you know, for some reason, like making it clear to the audience was showing them wanting to fly, even though everyone knows that they, they couldn't at that moment. This is. Is that just me? Like, I feel like that's a pretty common reference. Yeah, that was definitely, no, that's, that's, uh, that definitely like a lot of after-school specials. And I think Helen Hunt, I think that was just the first say role ever, no. was like a, a girl who's crazy on drugs jumps out of the window. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I'm going to say this, Brad, you are a sexy beast for remembering that. You are a sexy, sexy <laughs> I don't know beast. how I did, but I would just think, yeah. <laughs> wow that was seriously hot like like somewhere there's a couple of nerd ears that are burning like wow so uh <clears throat> tell me more about this brad like uh, <laughs> what what other sort of knowledge are you bringing out you know? and steve trust me between the british accent and your bat slash geekopedia i mean you know it i'm just happy that you're married because thank you i don't know if if the internet could handle the sensation if the world realized you were available and you and brad were just sort of out there like you know (laughs) you know i've been out there for many many years (laughs) 
And I'm not coming back. I burned the map. I burned the bridge. Yeah. There is no return. Um, staying out past Pluto for the rest of my life. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about the fact that actually one of the great things I love about this episode is we find out who Joker's true love is. Right? I mean, because the acid situation, he's faced by Riddler. Like, you got to pick one. You got to rescue Harley or Batman. And who does he pick? Well, his argument is he, he you know, can't let Batman die. Yeah. Lies. Riddler. Oh, boo. Right? So who's he say? <laughs> but we've all known that all along, haven't we, really? His, yeah. his true love. Come on. That's been Everyone's read Dark Knight Returns, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Batman was retired for 10 years and he was away. And joker went into a catatonic state and it's only when batman returns that he wakes up looks at the tv and what's his first word darling um (laughs) absolutely brilliant he does the same thing in mother panic too he um in gotham ad yes it's right like it's a different world and we just see him which also to me was the creepiest version of the joker but just homeless Coney Island Joker. And he's like, well, Batman's gone. So I've been doing nothing. It's like, <laughs> he's so into Batman. And I feel bad for Harley for not realizing it. Not into, but like into, you know, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Just, but yeah, it's his reason for being is Batman. Yeah. Kill you, you complete me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Like in Dark Knight. In the dark night you complete me and or you know you and me we're going to be doing this forever which turned out to be a very sad line in, in the scheme of things but yeah that that's been like such a uh theme for the two of them how they can't exist without each other and they're the flip side yep. of the same coin and that's what makes harley kind of a tragic character in a way because she will never she will never equal that what batman is to joker and she seems to be the only one that doesn't know it. And that's kind of what's cool about this show is that she she does kind of realize it. And she is taking like taking control. Yeah. If yeah, that whole. Go ahead, Kelly. Oh, no, just the, the, the whole sequence where she's like, you know, it was it was him the whole time. It's like, wow, it's a bizarre kind of depressing to look back at old memories that may maybe made you happy in the past and have to put new context to them because you realized something you didn't know at the time. And that's like, I mean, probably as far as the actual plot of the show goes, that has to be the best way to show her sort of waking up at the end of all this. Cause it's like, yeah, he, uh, he never really cared about anything other than Batman. And I love the way they do that with that moment where she's talking about how originally it's right. She's hanging out with she's with Batman and Gordon and she's talking about how Joker proposed and how they're going to get married. But then later when she's getting psychoanalyzed by her photograph, folks, if you're not watching this show, I just said she's getting psychoanalyzed by her photograph. And it's but so that's thinking, Right. Isn't it such a beautiful. I mean, I love when the textbook analytical character comes in and you just it sort of cuts through everything. But it does it in this really sweet sort of like, oh, honey, let me explain things to you. Oh, don't worry. You're going to figure this out. But really simply in that moment strips away all the facades. No, those weren't people playing violins. Those were henchmen. 
Um, no, he wasn't offering you a ring. Instead, what was he offering? A grenade. And <laughs> and then when he says <laughs> that haunting line, till death do us part, right? It's a it's a line that's something you would expect in a wedding vows. And yet it always has that sort of other side of the coin to it, that darker half. Oh, till death do us part. And he's not saying it to her. He's talking to the guy who's coming to get both of them, right? It's Batman. And that moment, the way they just stripped everything away, it was pretty powerful because it's it's one of the things that we're going to discover as we keep going along. But breaking up's hard to do, right? Like, you ever been in a long-term <laughs> relationship and it, it kind of went to shit and you're just like, ah, I thought this was a <laughs> I, I really We've felt been there. Right. Yeah. You know, and uh, I think that's why it's funny. Like right after that moment, right after she's had this moment of realization, who's at the door? That's ah, a Joker, Graham. It's Joker. You know, like, oh, hey, oh yeah, that right? was brilliant. Oh, yes. yes. Man. <laughs> Not the Joker, the, the, the Joker, Graham himself. Hey, at least he went out with a bang. Sorry. Hey. <laughs> I love that moment of realization on his face when he realizes that he's about to, like, there's a minute where he's like, oh, no. That's what I mean. Don't be a joker, henchman. Don't be dumb. Right. <laughs> but you can hear the cue up in the prime. <laughs> you know, let's put all this stuff in the past. You know, and now this henchman's going to have a, bl- uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, God. The Joker is such I, I maybe it's because I'm thinking back to college so hard, but I keep picking up on like, this is such a college asshole character in a sense, because it's oh, and I mean, luckily, like, so right? Like, and then it leaves her to die in acid and then just sends sends a, a Joker gram. Like, I can't tell you how many um you know, I, I, even back when I was in school or with coworkers where something crazy happens and it's like, oh, no, he sent me flowers. We we, we got food. We're good. And it's like, but did, did you talk so about anything? Times. Right. <laughs> it's a classic, it so terrible, significant other thing. And we've all had one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Everybody's had one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and for anyone listening, if you haven't yet, I'm so sorry, but that means you're telling you. Just remember, if they explode someone on your front porch, don't don't think it's romantic. And don't take them back. No. (laughs) Oh, but you will, because you can't help yourself. And that's just going to be the way it is. (laughs) But then you end up getting some awesome leather, like, hot pants and pigtails when you're done with it. Give or take. You get your version of that. <laughs> we, we do get an awesome costume change in this episode, right? We get to go from classic Harley to more updated. And I loved that. That moment yeah. was really cool. Yeah, yeah. Be whatever kind it's of like, circus performer you want. <laughs> yeah, and that's with the moment when she literally stops being the Bruce, Tim, Paul, Dini, Arlene Sorkin Harley Quinn and becomes the Margot Robbie Harley Quinn. And do you not find there's loads of parallels actually between this episode and I'm only watching it again. Have I realized it and the movie and the whole psychoanalysis thing, the fact she's actually really intelligent, even though she's crazy as a sack full of squirrel poop. Um, <laughs> and, uh, 
the whole grenade thing as well. I just thought those parallels, these two things, that film and this episode, marry so well together. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they really, they really do. do. Yeah. I think, um, and I, I keep saying this, and I've definitely said this in the main show, but I'm so proud of the way that Harley Quinn's been redone because I think it might have been my, it, it was the year Suicide Squad came out. I, I remember writing this whole piece about like, you know, Harley Quinn's great and there's so much to love about her, but the connection to the Joker and just sort of that underlying uh, abuse is so terrible and it's awful that she's such a visible character for DC. And the way they flipped it and the way her visibility kind of works now is just incredible because I think anyone coming out of one of those terrible relationships or, you know, even a more severe version of it at this point can look at her and say, look, like she, she got over the Joker. That's, that's hard. I mean, she did it years ago in the comics and that's one of my favorite things about her, but what really just grates on me is the fact that there's still so many fans out there who are obsessed with that relationship and think it's romantic and loving and are thinking, what the hell is wrong with you? This is the most toxic relationship ever put into fiction, I think. It's bonkers. Yeah. I I do appreciate, though, that there is that between, uh, you know, like you were saying with the start of Suicide Squad and going into the Joker movie itself, there has been a lot of discussion about just how toxic it is. And I, I think that we're at that point in the discussion where we're real, where the people that were obsessed with them are realizing, hey, that's maybe not so cool anymore. And I think that's that's progress. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully yeah, we yeah, can forward. look forward to them being like Poison Ivy and Harley. Like uh, Ivy's such a positive aspect of Harley's life. I'm hoping by the I next you know, film turnaround, right? That the it'll the the new couple will be not Joker and Harley Quinn, but Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn. You know, in the sense of look how supportive they are and look how well they work. We can only hope. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I keep in mind too though, you know, I think there is a reason why and this could be my own attempt at trying to, you know, understand. But it, it feels like for People who are in those kinds of relationships or have experienced them, they need a justification. You know what I mean? Like they need an example that says, oh, it's messed up, but it still works in some way that's, you know, justifiable for me. And I think that might, if I could guess at anything, would be part of the popularity. You know, why it was that such a toxic relationship became such a popular ideal or hashtag goals for a lot of people. And Never made a lot of sense at first, but you also realize, you know, people are looking for ways that they can say, see, it's not just me. Other people do it. And I think there was that chance where, you know, they could use this as some sort of comparison or way of saying that what they were going through is is not as terrible or that sometimes love's terrible. And I'm not going to buy into it, but I've seen some pretty toxic relationships and granted, Harley and Jokers is by far the worst that I've ever personally known. And it's really not that personal because I don't know their middle names, for example, Joker or Harley. But it does feel like there's a real importance in showing what is uh, a value for Harley. And that's breaking this. And Brad, I, I agree with you on that idea. Like, OK, 
you know, sure, there was a, a desire for emulating this in one way. And now there's a recognition that that's actually something that you don't want to emulate. It's something that is unhealthy. And it's something that when you recognize that, like, hopefully everyone does at some point, then you make the move to break away. And if you do, man, you might just find someone as cool as Ivy hanging around. Um, because I loved her line after she helps, you know, explain to Harley that actually she's the one who put the whole plot in order. And it was a way for Riddler to sort of pay her back for helping with the breakout of Arkham. That then she turns around and has that great moment where she's like, yeah, the hardest thing about this job is finding 150 gallons of margarita mix. Yeah. It wasn't really acid. <laughs> and the Costco moment, right? When Riddler's walking away, yeah. he's like, I told you to get a Costco card. She goes, I only use it once a year, so the savings doesn't really work, shithead. <laughs> So true. That that's life. <laughs> and you're right, Seth. The, this whole show just shines that mirror on life because there are people in abusive relationships out there, and showing that Harley can get away from the worst is the best way to show, hey, you can too. And that's the side of that that relationship that I love. But the side I don't like is so many people putting a positive spin on it and saying, oh, that's real love because she keeps going back to him. Yeah, but she keeps going back to more pain and misery and this is meant to be showing you don't do that not do do that but yeah i just want to get a whole vat full of margarita mix now and swim. <laughs> <laughs> um and then really you know uh what sunk in for me was i felt uh, another thing that just sort of stuck was when she had to go to his place to make this breakup a little more final you know what i mean or at least in this episode sort of put her foot down and I love that the theme song came into like prominence for me during the fight scene that we have in the funhouse when you know basically she's come to declare her emancipation and he's saying well good luck getting out of here alive right and I think that was the height of the action violence for me um <laughs> I mean Arkham was Ooh, fun yeah. the opening scene was great but when she was taking out the henchman and Steve, I'm going to let you go to it. What did you think about seeing her, you know, uh, step up to the plate with that bat she discovers and start swinging away at Joker's bombs? I just think it's the ultimate irony that she becomes Batwoman in that um, scene. It's just genius to me. Um, <laughs> she she stops being MC Hammer. Uh-oh, oh, here comes the mallet. Picks up the bat and goes buck wild on those henchmen who are doomed from the minute they enter the room and take that joker this girl has got away and she can outfight anyone you throw at her and all the way to the bit where she's blowing people up and kicking them into each other with explosives strapped to them and, and then at the end of the fight the building just falls over like in a charlie chaplin movie it's just and <laughs> bloody tastic i love it yeah oh, <laughs> I think the only thing that topped it for me was the exchange between Harley and Ivy about the food order. And she's like, yeah, just get me this and this from the Thai place. And so she's like, good. just text it. And she's like, no, I'm just telling you. And she's like, but I won't remember. And then you won't like what I get. You just fucking text it. Jesus Christ. And, <laughs> <laughs> and again, Ivy is the coolest person. <laughs> Ivy is all of us. We're all Ivy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Right? It's like it's green today. 
I really feel like, too, you know, we've all been in that moment where we've watched our friend go through a bad relationship. Um, I watched a buddy of mine. He must have broken up with one person like at least 15 times. And at one point they owned a house together and all this other stuff. And <laughs> I remember my friend's dad was trying to get into his head. He's like, I don't understand, man. It's like you keep walking up and saying, I'm sorry. And then this other person kicks you in the groin. And then you fall to your knees and say, I'm sorry. And then a few minutes later, you get back up and say, OK, I'm sorry. And then they kick you again. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wheel. what's that? <laughs> it's it's the hamster wheel. I mean, and it's I, I've seen and I've, you know, as we all said, I've, I've been in one of those relationships. It's just people leave when they're ready to leave. And it sucks as a friend. It's so it's really hard to watch as a friend. But. You know, it's eventually everyone gets to that moment where they're like, oh, my God, I'm done. And and that hopefully is the push. But, yeah, it's you you get kicked in the groin or, or whatnot and then just get up and it's the whole hamster wheel. You just circle. <laughs> One of the proudest moments of my life actually and is to this day was helping uh, one of my closest friends get out of a toxic relationship and literally the the way the only way I could get him to to wake up is I said to him listen yeah you love her and I realize that and there are times when I can see that she loves you but listen every single day is just torture and your families hate each other and everything else on top of it you're both miserable uh, unless you're in the sack so listen what you got to realize is breaking up is going to hurt yeah it's going to be like a a stab wound but that'll scab over that'll heal and you'll move on but what you're doing right now is stabbing yourself in the heart every single day and that's the kind of wound that never heals brother and that was the catalyst that made him think well shit yeah um let's do it so good luck to you harley you've actually stopped that so now you can go and stab as many henchmen as you want (laughs) Man, we're getting deep on this episode, huh? <laughs> this fucking crazy, fucked up fucking show could make us all philosophers. <laughs> and yet the best part is, I think that's one of the cathartic parts about watching the show, too, is if you've been in that relationship, if you've had that friend, there's this like sort of like childish joy, glee, a little bit wicked. At the idea of, man, what I wouldn't like to do to that person just once, just just once. And Harley gets to do it to, as we pointed out, numerous henchmen and along the way, just other hapless victims. But, you know, you're seeing someone do that. Now, granted, Harley's way of breaking free is much more violent than anything I would condone in the real world or would actually try and attempt to commit uh participated but there's that like it's like watching an action movie and you see the guy who's getting bullied stand up for himself and if you knew somebody who was getting bullied you want them to stand up for themselves you you see and harley get treated really badly if you've been in a bad relationship known someone who's been in a bad relationship there's this like mirthful joy of watching her just like break free and do it in a much more violent way than any of us are really allowed to in in the real world and and also through it sort of process the fact that yeah, because Steve, you reminded me, man, I forgot that with that friend of mine, the only way I can make him break up with the girl is I told him, hey, you're not allowed to call me anymore because the only time you come over is to use our friendship for the two of you to get back together. I can't enable you if that's going to be something that causes you more pain by helping you, you know, basically get back together with this person who's only going to treat you terribly again. I I can't communicate with you until I know 
you respect yourself enough to, you know, communicate with me and stop letting yourself get hurt this way. And yeah, man, Brad, it does get deep. <laughs> That's the other thing. Like you get into the show and there's a couple of, you know, moments where it's like, it's heart wrenching to think like, wow, that person doesn't love me. Like Harley's stuck in a love triangle. Like you guys were describing, like she, she can't really break free right now because of the way she's been so hamster wheeled into this, where she's just expected to just sort of come back around full circle again. But, you know, it's also like a horrifying idea to realize she's put herself in this position and it's for someone who doesn't even love them. And if any of us have been in that, it sounds like we all have. Man, like it, at least we can have some good joy out of the part where, OK, well, now she's going to go break some bones and some blood. And by the way, this just brings up something. Did you notice that nobody gets hit and like just goes down? It's like if somebody gets punched, they have to lose a tooth. They have to like spit out like a gallon of blood. Um, yeah. <laughs> Probably yeah. some realistic cartoon violence. <laughs> right. <laughs> like even falling down doesn't guarantee that you're just going to fall down. You're probably going to chip a tooth, break your nose. Like <laughs> you don't just get slammed into a wall. Things get broken along and the way. And those are the lucky ones. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we've been at this for a little bit. We've covered a lot of great things. I'm just going to sort of circle around. Did I miss something for anybody that you wanted to bring up that you felt was like, hey, you know, there's something we're leaving out. It was a magical moment or there's another thing that, you know, just fuck it. It's funny. So I'm including it. But, you know, since we're at a little bit of an hour into this, Brad, you know, is there something where you're like, man, you know, there's something I've been wanting to bring up about this episode because holy shit, it's just hilarious or something I just wanted to include. You know, I, I, I'm completely surprised that I don't, because I think we did cover a lot. I think we covered uh, a lot more in-depth than I thought we were going to get. So, you know, I think we covered everything. I'm surprised. Hey, <laughs> go us. <laughs> How about you, Kelly? Any, any, like, additional, like, dude, we forgot this moment, or I've been waiting to say this? <laughs> I guess mine's kind of a fun fact, a bizarre fun fact, but it... You, you know how Harley is when she for 30 seconds is back with the Joker and things are good. And she's like, let's watch a Reese, Reese Witherspoon movie. Well, I, <laughs> and he loves his Reese. I, exactly. Oh, like, <laughs> it's between Legally Blonde and Sweet Home Alabama. And it, I my mom's cousin actually wrote Sweet Home Alabama. Great guy, Doug. Love him. But <laughs> Uh, I, I remember watching it and going, if I had to pick a movie to watch with the Joker, it would be Legally Blonde over Sweet Home Alabama. Nothing against Sweet Home Alabama, just that's not the movie I'd watch with him. And I was kind of wondering where you guys fell on that. Which would you rather watch with the Joker? Uh, Legally Blonde. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've never Blonde. seen Sweet Home Alabama. So, and I saw Legally Blonde in the theaters because I'd picked the last movie, which was Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back. And I was eating so much dirt after that one that my girlfriend at the time got to pick the movie we watched. It was Legally Blonde. <laughs> and my friend was visiting, so he got to watch it with us. And I I don't think he forgives me still to this day. <laughs> Steve, where did you fall on that one? Um, I haven't seen Legally Blonde, but Sweet Home Alabama is one that recurs a lot in, in, in my household because it's one of my wife's favorite movies. And uh, 
personally the movie I'd watch with Joker is what the fuck are you fucking talking about? I would never fucking watch a movie with Joker. I would run. I would get the fuck out of there faster than you can say <laughs> well, you didn't have like run minute, yeah. away. Get out of here. Yeah, I would be a henchman. Nah. That's a very good point. Nah. Would not. Uh, what did I get out of the episode? Um, the fact that Honestly, yeah, we had a laugh. We creased up. It was funny. But yet it was deeper than 150 gallons of margarita mix by the end because we got so much more out of it. So respect to the writers, Dean Laurie, uh, Justin Halpin, Patrick Schumacher and the cast. Great episode. But the amazing thing about this show is it just gets better. What about you, Seth? You know, the one thing that I was really kind of digging on, and you you really made the connection for me, Steve, today. Uh, when you were talking about the fact that this first episode and the movie Birds of Prey, Emancipation of Harley Quinn, uh, work so well together, that um, there's like a synchronicity. And it reminds me about when you get the chance to see a great movie, and there's so much that's covered, but it's a movie, right? It, it can't be more than like two hours unless it's The English Patient or something like that. And it, uh, unless you've got this, like, you know, ability to capture I all those elements. and to make that film about me, by the way. And it was originally called The English Mental Patient. But I'll mm-hmm. let you carry on. That's OK. We got to get that script. We'll get that out there, buddy. Don't worry. Together, teamwork, we're, we can make <laughs> this happen. Um, but, you know, for the most part, you're, you have a limitation on time. It's your constraint. You can only do so much in a film. And it feels like this series is doing that great thing when they take a movie and then they turn it into a television series and they go deep enough into the parts you always wanted to know about from the movie, right? Like, I love that the movie made the breakup seem so short and then all she has to deal with are the consequences afterwards. But as this series points out, breakups are never that easy, especially when you happen to, you know, have the uh, significant other is, you know, frat bro slash Mr. Cool slash always been the top of the heap. And now he's got competition from his ex, of all people. And you can't solve that in one movie. You just can't. It takes time. Relationships are hard. So I love the fact that now we get to actually see through this season just what it's like to really try to break up with somebody and make it official. Because as somebody hinted at earlier, there's a couple of stages of going back, even when it's wrong, even when you don't want to, even when you know you shouldn't be, right? So I, I love the fact that we get this chance to take this great movie and go deeper with each of these episodes. And clearly we got pretty deep this time around and you actually get to see like, hey, breaking up takes a while. There's stages, there's phases. And then there's also the part about like, how do you become your own person without that person? Like, uh, you know, there's that great thing Tom King was saying when he was talking about how you're a person and then you meet someone and you fall in love. And when you fall in love and become partners with that person, it changes you. And you have to sort of accept that that's a change you're comfortable with or realize that maybe it's a change you're not comfortable with. Well, breaking up's the same thing. Like you have to create an identity for yourself. You have to become someone in order to step away from who you were when you were with that person. But man, like carving out that identity and and separating who was you and who was them and Man, that's going to take a while. And Harley's going to make some stumbles. So I love that this sets up that idea of, sure, she breaks up with him and goes back to him. And then she breaks up with him again by the end. 
But that doesn't mean this is all over. In fact, the breakup has only just begun. So that was kind of one of the things that was really sticking with me was this idea like, yeah, it's not completely over yet. Because like all relationships, it never ends just because it's like, okay, this is done and done and done. There's there's always a little bit of that gray, ugly area, you know? Like I said, deeper than two vats of margarita mix. That was- <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, my 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 only little question that I was sort of having fun with and take this as serious or as lighthearted as you want. But if you were going to give a, a theme or a, a thing for this episode, what would be, you know, or would you give it a different title? Even did till death do us part work for you? Or would you want to sort of classify this first episode in any other way? Brad? Uh, breaking up is hard to do. Nice. <laughs> Great. Love, love the Everly brothers. Yes. <laughs> Nothing like a good classic reference. Kelly? Probably minus one. Because he's her plus one, but not anymore. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Nice. Awesome. Nice. Well done. Nice. Yeah. Steve, no pressure. Um, well, Brad literally climbed into my brain and scooped out my grey matter once again with that one, because that's exactly what I was thinking. So the only other thing I can say is, um, to paraphrase Simon and Garfunkel, these were the sounds of violence. Ooh, <laughs> lovely. Okay, well, I'm going to take us back to around 1990, 1991, and I'm going to go, in fact, maybe a song might be a nice way to do it next time around. But I was inspired as soon as you guys both said breaking up is hard to do. And Steve, uh, your beautiful paraphrasing that I can't even do justice with because when it's that smooth, you just, you don't try and imitate. But I'm going with (laughs) Ugly Kid Joe. Anybody remember Ugly Kid Joe? I do. Yeah. Remember she fucking hates me? Oh, I know that song. (laughs) Yep. So that's Ugly Kid Joe. They, They had like two other, you know, Brief yeah. In fact, one that was I much more. I hate everything about you. And, uh, exactly. Yeah. And they did a cover of Breakup did they go Such through. a well adjusted group of young men. <laughs> <laughs> well, my mind is no longer quite young, but it's aging in a strange and fun depravity that I hope can only contribute to this show. So um, <laughs> I'm going to leave it with one last thing. Any final thoughts from anyone before we kind of wrap this one up? Because I think Brad said it. We, we covered a lot of stuff, but I want to give uh, any final thoughts, not only about this episode, but maybe about how this episode is going to tie into what we'll be talking about when it comes to episode two. Brad, any final thoughts? Just that personally, this was the first episode is kind of my least favorite episode. So I can't wait to see what we get into uh, as we get into episodes that that I loved, so I think that this is a great a great start for a good oh, That's fucking hilarious. Okay, that's awesome. I love like yeah. this was my least favorite. You guys can't, and we were laughing our asses off for an hour. <laughs> so just hang well, on. I, I will say that you guys gave me a new appreciation for it as well. So yeah. <laughs> everybody walked away learning something. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> Kelly, how about you? Any any final takes, thoughts of this or as we move into the next? Was this your least favorite, like Brad? Honestly, yes, because I can't wait for Bane. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm so ready to see Bane. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not as much as I want to hear Steve's Bane impression, because I feel like he's <laughs> probably got one. I just, I feel it. He has a very lovely voice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for that Magic Trick episode. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. I'll never look at a pencil the same way again, and neither will that henchman. (laughs) Steve, did you have a lasting thought besides just making us laugh right there, my friend? Um, I have to echo my compatriots and partners in crime in saying that this episode was amazing, but yes, it is my least favourite. It does get progressively even more fucked up, and Bane and Jim Gordon and Kite Man and the evolution of Harley and Ivy. Oh boy, so much good stuff is coming our way. Dr. Psycho. Talk to oh. <laughs> Harley's mama. I cannot wait oh, to God. talk to all of you guys about this. I cannot wait. What about you, Seth? You know, I, I might have had some sort of thing in my head, but Brad said Dr. Psycho, and all I can see is see you next Tuesday now. So, Brad, yeah. you totally just, like, stuck your finger right in the middle of uh, the clay wheel that I had spinning, you know, on the thing. And you just sort of, like, like, it all, like, really the only person who can put it together now is <clears throat> Clayface, which is another great appearance yeah. I'm looking to popping up oh, as yes. well. So, Psycho, Clayface, Baby <laughs> I, I I think really what I, I love is that this this is going to really be like you guys were saying, like we've only just begun. I don't know if I would call this my least favorite. Potentially by the end of you know reviewing this all with you guys, I might be in the same boat. But I do know that there's this feeling of just like there's only so much more to come. You know, we only got the slightest little hints of who these uh other characters will be and if they're anything like frank the plant no i did not ask for a fucking roommate then you know we're going to be in really great shape here so the hints that we've been talking about let's just say if you haven't been following along now's a good time to and you've got a little bit of time before we get to episode number two so i would recommend taking advantage of that And I'm going to leave off by saying, you know what? I've been with an amazing group of people. Now you might know us all from the DC Comics News Podcast. But in the event, this is your first exposure to Brad, Kelly, Steve, and myself. I'm going to give them an opportunity to let you know where you can reach out to them about anything they might have said on here or any future past episodes. Brad, where can the good people find you in the world? Well, you can find me uh, writing news and reviews, DC Comics News, and you can find me on Twitter, FlickyB1. Wonderful. And Kelly, how can people find you? Um, you can find me writing opinion and editorial pieces on DC Comics News and on Twitter at KelGainsWrite. That's K-E-L-G-A-I-N-E-S-W-R-I-T-E. Thank you. And Mr. Steve. Where can the good people find you, sir? I feel like it's everywhere. Do you know what? You're not wrong. You can find my less evil, less sweary selves on the DC Comics News podcast and on the I Am The Night podcast where we talk about Batman the Animated Series and read my reviews, interviews, news pieces all over DC Comics News and Dark Knight News just by simply doing a Google search for Steve J. Ray. That's my good side. I am his evil twin, Steve fucking L, fucking Steve O fucking Ray of (laughs) Mad Love, Harley Quinn cast. 
Um, what about you, Seth? Well, I just realized after how many times we've all said fuck in the number of ways that one can say fuck that I need to go back and watch the George Carlin special about the word fuck and all the ways you can use it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look up George Carlin fuck on YouTube. Thank me later. And as far as me, look, the only the only platform I think that's appropriate to discuss anything that was about this episode is on Twitter. So you can look for me there at one more singleton. And uh, <laughs> when it comes to anything else, yeah, that's the only platform I think that for this show I'm going to be responding on. So you have questions about this one or any of the future episodes we have about Mad Love, a Harley Quinn cast. Let me know about them on there. If you liked what you heard, but you don't also you know, need to have swearing, regular vulgarity, that sort of thing, you can also catch all the other programming we have available at DC Comics News Podcast. All that other content is PG rated, whether it's the DC Comics News Weekly podcast, where the four of us get together and talk about movie, TV and streaming, comic books and so much more. Or if you're checking out the amazing I Am The Night by Mr. Steve J. Ray, an episode by episode breakdown of Batman the Animated Series. Or if you check with me on a weekly basis for the Spinner Rack, my attempt to justify my top five picks each and every week from DC Comics. And for more episodes, and to make sure you've caught not only all of the past ones, but are ready for all the future ones, you can find DC Comics News Podcast Network on all of your major podcast platforms, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Play. If you haven't yet, please head over, subscribe to the podcast, rate and review. And as we like to say here, because it's, well, just something we like to say, and as always, Read more comics. And with that, folks, this has been episode number one of Mad Love, a Harley Quinn cast. Thanks for joining us. We're sorry if your ears are burning. We can't <laughs> promise we won't do it again next time. Until then. Hey, why don't we produce a PG version of the show and have fun laughing our asses off at Josh putting funny sound effects over every single time we said the word. <laughs> How about that, listeners? Let us know. I'm sure Josh would appreciate it. I, I can only think that his editing mind is thrilled at the possibility. Yeah. I can only imagine. I can see him chasing me with a shotgun. <laughs> potentially. P- potentially. Oh, oh, boy. This is going to be fun. We love you, Folks. Joshua. We you have so much to look forward to. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Catch you next time.